You know, I have that uh, that uh, you know born <clears throat> broadcaster's voice that tends you can't to, help yourself. It just sort of booms. That's the that's why it's the only job you can do. It's the only thing I can do. Well, I can bust <laughs> tables, but that is there's no voice work in that. Thank you for coming to the table. <laughs> People are very excited to get the best table buster there is. At the oh, they talk about how they lost me in that industry to oh, to radio. One of the best. <laughs> <laughs> one of the best excuse me i maybe i'm gonna leave this if i'm so like sorry that. capital t the best <laughs> uh so whatever you want to do uh, yeah i was thinking about get back and i thought is that kind of a thing that we but then again it's your show so what the fuck am i doing thinking about it You're no i mean but it's your topic so if you feel like um you want to get that all off your chest or like communicate something yeah. to people or well i mean i don't know i just uh you should just ask questions and then i'll go wherever i go Okay. I had stuff to say about get back, but I just didn't, I didn't know how much of our audience would go for it, but. Yeah. I mean, I do think that there are a select few of people that know us that want to hear us talk about it, but (laughs) it does feel a little late. Yeah, it's late. And, uh, you know, outside of everybody who's smart in the world, it really didn't catch on. (laughs) I mean, really, I mean, I don't think it was the biggest thing. It's already for a niche group of people anyway. Yeah, right. But just a big niche group of people. And all the people who are into it and watched it all are really, you know, smart, cool people. But oh, yeah, totally. it didn't, didn't grab. And there may be some people, like it grabs some people, I think. And I think a lot of people, I think young people, they um, were interested enough to check in. But that's a long, you know, eight hours. If you don't really know who these people are, it just seems like yeah. a lot. You know? And honestly, I had to really concentrate yeah, watching I- it. I think that I'm too much of a fanboy because I didn't, I just wanted to see them. It's like mm. a, the way that people are with probably BTS or something. Like I just wanted to be there with them and see them and, and, you know, have them in there, like going to the zoo and just watching the animals in their natural habitat or something. <laughs> no, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. I think, I think I wanted, um, I mean, I, I think I'd have to watch them with different eyes, you know, like I could sure. watch them, just watch them. Right. You know, and, right. and, and maybe like get something from their body language or something. Yeah. But I really wanted to hear them and understand them. And I had a really hard time without the subtitles. I had to turn on the subtitles. And then I, sometimes yeah, I had to rewind and be like, what are they saying? What are they talking I should about? Do, I should do one run where I turn on the subtitles. because I haven't done that yet. But I found that like in a lot of times with Doctor Who, back when it was worth watching, I would like accidentally once the subtitles were on and I thought, well, I'm really actually understanding what everybody's saying here. This is pretty good. Yeah. Subtitles rule. As I get older, (laughs) like my ears are starting to kind of go or something like subtitles are not a bad thing, you know? No, they help you. Especially since most of the things I watch, I'm going to sleep while I'm watching them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Subtitles to me, like um, without them, you don't know you're missing something. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do go, wow. I'm watching this uh, Sherlock Holmes from the 1980s, this BBC series, this rendition they did in the 80s. And it's just so, so English that I love having the subtitles on. (laughs) So whatever. Now, see, now we're talking about get back. You see, you can't can't take a guy like me and put him in one topic. because No, that's all right, because our show is structured where we chat for a little bit and then we get into it. Look, have I never been on this before? No, you haven't. I'm a jerk then. How long have you been doing it? Uh, about five years. Yeah. I've never been on. Five, ten years, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, you know, we said we get around to it eventually. And Greg's not even on. So uh, he'll get jealous that uh, 
he wasn't on the day that we <laughs> talked about the Von Hessler Doctrine, my both my favorite and least favorite topic in the world. <laughs> it's a love-hate. <laughs> it's the one that I'm always around and that I love and I nourish, and I also, it's the, probably the one thing that I try to run away from and escape most of my life. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It becomes work. It's just, yeah. it's work. It is, even if you do something you love, all that stuff about like, you'll never work a day. That's okay. But yeah. even though, you know, our schedule is amazing and yeah. all of that, it still sometimes is work. Yeah. I don't know if I believe that whole, yeah. It's better to have a job that you, when you love what you're doing, right. obviously, but you know, there are expectations and you sign on for something and we have just like everybody else who has uh, goes to work. We have bosses and people who want us to, you know, deliver certain goods and all that. So you don't escape all of that, but it still no. is better if you're doing that to really dig what you're doing, I suppose. Yeah, it's know. it's work, but it's not like we're on top of a roof in Arizona. Like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I always... I always think about that whenever I, you know, whenever I'm getting, you know, kind of tired of it, I think, well, you know, you know, the guy who came and replaced your uh, dishwasher today, he's probably pretty fucking tired of what he does for a living <laughs> too, but he's got to get up and go do it the next day. So then you feel a little bit like a douchebag, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, but it's, I think that it's a great job, but and I think that people are right when they think that it's not manual labor which i've avoided up my whole life like mm -hmm. the plague i've avoid, <laughs> tried to avoid since i was a teenager i've tried to avoid manual labor but you know uh it is it's a job it, there's not a lot of manual labor involved but it's um i know for me it's like it's my whole it's my whole day every day in the sense that any thought that I have that I think that might be right. something I can exploit, I have to, you know, I mean, I don't know. I feel like I'm. You're a content creator, you know, and right. like I, an I, older generation of a content creator. And yeah. and all those people sort of complain about you're never off the clock because you're always yeah. thinking of content. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess. And they have to do it. Well, we do it every day, too. So I guess right. they're really if I'm. uh if I'm a jerk for bitching about it, they're really jerks because they have to do like five or 10 minutes a day. <laughs> and we do, uh, you know, three hours, uh, sometimes three and a half hours, uh, five days a week. So, you know, I guess it's all the same thing, but I would take it, you know, it, I mean, we're going to talk about the Von Hester doctrine. So, uh, you know, in, in part of this, I will be kind of bitching and moaning, but always with the idea that uh, there's no greater job to have, but you know, human yeah. beings bitch, you know, that's what we do. That's part of our thing. That's fine. You're allowed to have feelings. <laughs> Am I? Right. I should have come yeah. on this show a long time ago. You give me permission to have feelings and everything. Yes. Just got you're allowed, you know what? Also you're allowed to take up space. I'm allowed to take up space. Now I got to yeah. say, I don't really know what that means. Is so, that something out of therapy? I don't know what that means. No, it's something out of, I don't know, some something, but I thought it was interesting because <clears throat> uh, as far as like women's place in the world, mm -hmm. it seemed like in the nineties, everyone, women weren't allowed to be any weight outside of, you know, super skinny, you know, the, mm. the jeans were really low rise. You know, you remember when, um, uh, uh, Jessica Simpson came out and she was singing some song and everybody talked about how much weight she had gained. And then I, if you look, I don't remember that specifically, but I'm, I'm with you. I can remember that. Uh, you're talking about the, uh, like the heroin chic days. Right. Uh huh. Yeah. 
So it was sort of back then that women weren't allowed to take up space. Right. Oh. And now this movement has, you know, this body positivity movement is, has gone forward <clears throat> and now women are allowed to take up space, but women aren't allowed, still aren't allowed to age. And so like women aren't even allowed to take up time. <laughs> so we've got this so now, well, you know, this is like the Einstein dilemma for feminism. You've got the uh -huh. space part worked out. You just got to work out the time thing. And then you've got, you know, one whole double dimension yeah. taken care of. And then you can start dealing with the, you know, the real <laughs> physical movements of what energy are. are we allowed to take up energy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so i have a real question about that because i'm um an old man who's been basically married for 35 years are men on board with this because i don't know because you know uh i don't think that you can change what what men like but obviously there are men who like everything because every you know so there are men who like uh women who take up more space and there are men sure. who like women who take up less space. I just wonder if, um, I think people should just do what they feel comfortable with. But I, I, I wonder about this whole thing where everything becomes a thing to where you go, okay, this is where we are now. Women are allowed to be okay with their bodies. And then there's like this, uh, which is of course, but then there's this other part where, and everybody's on board. And I don't know that people are just going, no, you know what? Now I, it, it, I do achieve erection on this now. Now that you talk me into it, it the <laughs> thing that I was achieving erections on all that time, it was my uh, penis was very narrow-minded. And I right? now realize like, <laughs> like, like people are turned on by what they're turned. I think that women for too long, that had to be their thing because I don't know, it's inside of us, you know, childbearing and all that. So I think that it's enlightened to go past that. I just sometimes like, you know, oh, everybody's on board. I think, you know, guys are kind of stuck with what turns them on a little bit. The world shouldn't be run by that. And women shouldn't have to adhere to that in any way because there's somebody for everybody. But I just wonder, it always seems like a big, um, like a big campaign every time. Mm -hmm. Everybody's on board. I just don't know about that. Well, I think what the the focus of it might actually be instead of what is attractive or not is what is normal and maybe yeah. what isn't. So yeah. there's a lot of women's bodies that are just normal that I think a lot of us have walked around with thinking like, oh, no, I'm not right anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I need to get back to what is right. right. And it turns out like if we're all thinking that, it's because all of our bodies look that way, you know. Well, and we're all kind of we're all kind of mm -hmm. ugly. I mean, in a way. I mean, it's like we are. We're all we all present. We're all trying to present the better, the best, yeah. you know, kind of look for ourselves. Right, and but you can do that. Something. We all have right. something, you know. It's like something. But oh, denying that, <laughs> denying that that's normal, right, makes you feel insecure, and then you can't present, yeah. you know, a a, a a version of yourself. Because you're always chasing something that's probably yeah. unattainable. Yeah, you know, the uh, the English have, in entertainment, have always been way ahead of us on that. I feel like BBC, BBC shows and stuff, you know, from the 70s and 80s and 90s, they've always had um, just sort of normal looking women. Uh -huh. in there. Like just women that you see every day, not the, uh, not the ideal. And I don't know why that, se that seemed to be kind of a natural thing. Uh, over there and not the result of some sort of political movement, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so I agree with that. And I think it's, if you're watching shows about people, it, it feels more real if they look like people, regular people. On the other hand, and I'm, you know, I'm a very uh, below average looking person all my life. I still like, I still like, I, I don't want to, 
I don't want to explode the ideal. You know what I mean? Like I still absolutely I not. Like and that's the not the ideal, goal. You know, right. It shouldn't be. Most of us can't be ideal. Right. But I, you know, like, you know, he's getting older now and time, time comes to everybody, but I didn't have a problem when George Clooney, who's about my age, when we were both younger, looking at him and going, that guy's way better looking than me. I, I never had a problem with that. Right. It's you not know? about shaming people that do fit into some sort of ideal. It's right. it's about just accepting either what you have or what you want. You know, yeah. like if you want to get into like crazy shape, great. Here are some healthy ways to do it. Like, yeah. don't starve yourself. Don't don't feel like the only way you can get there is is by, you know, semi killing yourself, because where you sh your your actual goal should be something that is more realistic. And when we're presented with a lot of people that look a certain way and it, that's impossible to get, you know, like J-Lo should not be the the standard for being 50. Right. Well, you she's know what I mean? not, but even if you think about it, she's really not. Because what you and I see is after she gets herself all done up. I'm sure that J-Lo, if you catch her on a day where she's not shooting anything at, uh, you know, nine o'clock in the morning is looking like, an, you know. Yeah, but she still looks really person. good. Yeah, and maybe. women, women who's, who are 50 don't look like that. Right. Yeah. Women who well, are 40 people, don't look like that. I think people who people should just be encouraged to feel comfortable in their own skin. I think that's right. Wh but whoever you are, right. is whoever you are. And then we all try to do the best thing. Like rather than, you know, getting all this weird face work done and fillers and Botox, people should just try to live a healthy lifestyle, drink a lot of water, yeah. you know, like exercise, like the, you got a better shot of being the better, you know, that as you age, I think that your looks become more of an indication of health than when you're younger, you know, like you're yeah. younger, you could run around all night long and still, you know, pull it off. But I think it, maybe if there was more of an emphasis on just health and, and. Oh man, and when I stopped healthy. drinking as much, yeah. like when I changed my drinking habits, my I like face. The way, by the way, I like the way you said when I stopped drinking dot, dot, dot as much, but go ahead. Yeah. Well, cause I haven't <laughs> stopped drinking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just changed my, I recalibrated my relationship with alcohol. I was, yeah. I was still treating it like something it could, it was doing the thing for me that it used to. And it just, it wasn't. Um, so I, I've, I've got a different little relationship going with alcohol, but my face and like everything has changed. Yeah. My the whole, puffiness. yeah. The puffiness goes away. Yeah. Uh, that's because you and I aren't alcoholics. I'm the same right. way. I can, mm -hmm. I can, uh, I can go through a couple of days where, I'm just like, I'll use alcohol as like, I just want to get fucked up and just right. sort of drift away. But I just get, no matter what it is, even if it's kind of drug escapism, I just get bored with anything after a few days. Like, I, I don't, I don't know how people become alcoholics who drink at nine o'clock in the morning. Like I've known people like this and I know people who have died yeah. relatively young from it. And I just, I can't, I just can't do the same thing over and over and over, even if it starts, it's like, you know, I love Christmas, but if, you know, if you had it 10 days in a row by the 11th day, I'd be like, okay, enough of this shit. Right. I want to do something else. You know, <laughs> just, I, maybe that's lucky. I just get, um, I get, I don't think it's short attention span, but I just get bored if I do the same thing all the time, especially for recreation, like the other stuff, I have to do the same thing every day, just in order to be able to, to pull it off. Like with the show, how's that for a pivot back to the show? But, nice. Like, I, you know, I, uh, the, the stuff for the show, you know, to be ready at nine o'clock, you know, I always tell people I'm, 
highly assassinatable in the morning because I basically <laughs> do exactly the same thing. I'm almost in exactly the same spot at every minute doing exactly <laughs> the same thing until nine o'clock. So like between, the sniper yeah. could pull up to your house at like 515 you will you'll turn around from that microwave. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, they had better, uh, they, they better be there on time because they'll miss it. They'll miss me if they're yeah. a minute late, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna, you know, but I don't, I just, um, I feel, I feel really comfortable knowing that I've covered all the bases and I don't know, it's a weird thing. Like if I, if I do that routine, then like right at nine Oh three, you know, I'm ready mm -hmm. to go. And if I don't, then I feel a little bit, a little bit screwy. Well, quickly before don't, don't talk too much about the show. Cause we're okay. going to do it on the, on the real show. But, um, I was going to go back really quick to, you know, you get sick of doing the same thing over and over if, when it comes to like drinking or drugs or something, mm -hmm. but we don't get sick of eating every day. <laughs> and I think that, um, in the addict's brain, your chemistry changes to where it's a survival, just like eating. It's a survival instinct. Yeah. Oh, and, you mean and, for the alcoholic? You mean for the drug addict? Yeah. For some, yeah. yeah, for something, you know, that for us is like, ugh, get out of here. But for them, it's like, no, I have to have this. Yeah. Uh, I have to eat. I'm hungry. I'm starving. Why wouldn't I, you know, if yeah. I'm starving and you put it in front of me, but I know it's bad for me, I'm still going to eat it because I'm starving. Yeah. No, I, I, I get that. I think sometimes like that's a way that I can understand it, right. but I still, it still doesn't resonate with you. like, I me have either. To... No, I don't want to drink every day. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. I have to like, like the way that you feel so shitty the next yeah. morning sometimes. Yeah. And then people that are like just doing that day after day, that cycle yeah. of like fucked up, like getting into trouble, yeah. not knowing how you got home weird consequences that you don't understand yeah. you wake up with like pizza in your bed and then the, just like start it all over. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't relate to what, why people, I guess it's, it's kind of a bigger thing than that. It's like, yeah, all you can do is just sort of say, well, people are different and like, you can't expect that everybody's going to respond to things the same way that you do, but I still can't, relate to it. I can try yeah. to understand it and go, well, that other people just, you know, they have a different thing. I get, you say food. And I guess I would put, um, I would put like the sex drive in there too. I think that mm -hmm. not enough things are pinned to like Freud probably overdid it, but not enough things, especially, um, uh, uh, negative behaviors that we know are bad for us. I, I, in, in popular, um, you know, discourse about these things, especially things like drug addiction. Um, I don't think that that comes up as much as it probably should have. Cause I can understand if you, I can understand how the sex drive can make you do things that normal. If you think of mm -hmm. that being drunk in some way, like I can understand, I can relate to the idea that the sex drive could make you kind of know that you're doing something negative, but the, the pleasure thing, right? Like really, you know, um, I can understand that. And if more things were kind of put at that level, I read something uh, a while back about how, because uh, we can't quite understand like drug addicts, like they get cleaned and they go back and they, mm -hmm. get clean and they go back. And I read a great article. I don't know how true it is. There's only one article, but it did resonate with me that it's not talked about enough how much individuals like meth and I'm talking about like hard drugs, like uh, the people who are really addicted to hard drugs in their mind, like say that, say that they've had their best sex on that, like mm. where, 
everything else may be bad, but like the sex that they had was the best. It, if it, I can understand it, if you say to me, the person doesn't need that all the time, but if you if you attach it to the sex yeah. drive, then I can begin to understand. Oh, this person's chasing something. <clears throat> that maybe they'll never get again, but they had like their best orgasm ever on this. And yeah, that's what meth, meth does that. Right. Well, that's probably what I, but I think that a lot of, it's hard for me to believe that alcohol, because alcohol is more like, yeah, it drops inhibitions. Right. But I don't know that it makes for better sex, but maybe for some people it does. I don't know. I think it mostly, it drops inhibitions and then it also um, affects your uh, decision-making skills. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so maybe decisions that you're not brave enough to make, you know, right. you might, but I you might still, do it. I would still, um, even sex, I would give up if I had to throw up for hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> That's the part for me. I don't, I don't like being sick. I, I don't get sick naturally all that much. So why would I, um, why would I impose it on myself? Well, that's the thing you have. Addiction is characterized by the continuance despite of negative consequences. So if you continue to do it, even though you're having all these negative consequences, then you might need to look at it as a problem. Right. Whereas like when you say like, I don't like throwing up in the morning, so I'm not going to get so fucked up all the time. Then you're like, oh, okay. Then I guess it's not that big of a deal. Right. Yeah. If you can, if you can overcome that, I guess it's not something I can relate. I mean, I can relate to it. I don't mean to play it down, but I can't, I can certainly empathize with it. Sure. Care about people. It's just very, it's like kind of like, I don't know. I think we're all like this, that we, it's hard to imagine that other people like things that we don't like, or right. don't like things that we do like, or you don't like grapes. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Like even <laughs> to the point, I mean, I look at my cats sometimes and I'm like, aren't you bored being a cat? I mean, what the <laughs> fuck you do? You do the same fucking thing every day. I mean, I'd be, I'd be looking at the people going, man, I was, I wish I was one of those. I think <laughs> about my fish. Yeah. Like, oh, all, God, yeah. are you, this is all yeah. you do swim around all day. <laughs> i'd be bored i, I guess they I don't know kill how to, myself why are you trying to escape they don't know how to kill themselves or else they yeah. maybe if i give them a little fish gun that's murder you're like killing, you're no i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do i'm just gonna leave uh, it there you know in case what you're he doing needs it. you know what you're doing <laughs> I could, a good enough lawyer could uh, at least you're you're an accessory to the crime you're Whoops, i dropped this tiny gun <laughs> that's neg that's negligence <laughs> right there that's recklessness manslaughter i don't know Fish slaughter, something. Ick, ick, ick slaughter. Yeah, something like that. But yeah, I don't know. I think I, I figured it out in that um, to a certain degree. Like you and I both like the Beatles, but there's some songs you don't like, and I do like them. Right. I, I when I realized that um, you know all your visual, everything that you see um, is you know there's no light in your head. This seems kind of wild, but it's all it's all kind of broken down. Like if you think of your eyeballs, they're kind of like video cameras and they take stuff in and they break it down into a signal. And that signal is actually what you see. And the same thing is true with your hearing. I mean, it's like, it's not an analog thing. You, your ears get input and that gets turned into kind of a, almost your brain interprets thing. the sound. Yeah. But it's almost like a digital thing that it gets right. It, it cuts out all the shit that you don't need and gives you the stuff that the brain thinks is important. And through all of that, the reason I bring that weird stuff up is I realize that we don't, we're not, we're not all actually seeing or hearing the exact same things. So that's why we can both like the Beatles, but you won't like one song. And I do like the other song. 
and you could spend your time going, well, how is that possible? She likes the Beatles. I think it's yeah. a great song. But then when you realize we're not actually hearing the same exact thing, you know, like what that whole thing about what is red, you and I can never know what red looks like to the other person. All we know is it's close enough that we can both point to it and call it red, but we will never know how many different ways people experience the color red. It's just impossible to find that out. It's not the same. We're, all, we're, we're not actually looking at and reacting to and hearing the same things. And I think like if you wanted to, the, the first step to world peace is understanding that, mm. that we're not, when we argue over things quite often, we think that we're arguing over the same thing exactly, but how can we when we don't even know how we each uh, respond or perceive the color red? Mm-hmm. How about that? So, Love that. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I will be laughed out of um, the parliaments of the world by saying <laughs> this is the this is the first step. Right. They're like, what is he talking about? The color red for? We're at war. <laughs> it's red. It's red. <laughs> you say it's red. I do too. We agree. It's red. Crazy ideas. <laughs> all right, let's get started. Mm. What was that? All warm up with 30 minutes? Yeah, that was all. That's all warm up. I it might edit a little bit show? of it. But... Does it go in the show at all? No, it'll go in the beginning. Oh, okay. I see. This is the pre, the prelude. Yes. All so right. I'm going to start the show and then I'll introduce you. Okay. Okay. Ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Welcome to One Topic, where we stick to one topic. My name is Autumn Fisher, and Greg Russ is not here to annoy us today, but instead, I have my dear, dear friend and co-host of the Von Hessler Doctrine, <laughs> Eric Von Hessler. Well, hello. Is this where I say hello? Yeah, this hello. is it. Hello to you and uh, the great One Topic audience. Nice First to time here. on the show. I know. I can't believe that. You guys have been doing it for so long and uh, I haven't been on. So I figure you must not have, it must be that I wasn't invited because I'm such a nice guy. <laughs> I would surely say yes. Well, I knew that the only way to maybe get you to commit was to ask you on air, mm-hmm. to ask you on the radio show. Because if I ask you over text, either like, maybe you'll answer me back. Maybe you'll say yes, but we won't connect until whenever. But I'm glad that you're here. So you've dragged me here. I'm unwilling, but I'm here. And that's the important thing. I'm unwilling. not unwilling. I'm glad to be here. Good. Okay. Well, so the topic um, is usually the uh, guest chooses the topic. And we were going to talk about uh, the Beatles documentary, Get Back. But we figured that maybe it might be a little too um, niche. niche. Yeah. But, but uh, I don't know. That's never stopped Greg from talking about trains. Yeah, I mean, your audience obviously has to be used to that uh, with uh, with Greg going off on the things that he thinks about. Yeah, trains, pens, socks. Hey, listen, <laughs> those are all fascinating topics. Don't get me wrong. But I, Where I don't does the sock go in the drawer? Where does it go? I figure some people or, you you know, would, uh, would be like, oh, that might be fun. But probably the Beatles get back isn't as important to most people as it is to us. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So instead, we're going to talk about the radio show, The Von Hessler Doctrine. Oh, wow, that's great. Wonderful. Like, yeah. I can never get away from talking about that show, but <laughs> it, might, it might be cool to talk about it without doing it. You know what I mean? Like when we're doing it, yeah. there's always this pressure to, you know, live up to some kind of 
standard in our minds that uh, that we think that we have. <laughs> so, like you're performing when you're doing it, no matter mm-hmm. how, even though it's um, even though it's improvised, it's almost completely improvised. You're still aware of the fact that you're performing, like you're on stage. You know? Well, and you know we have you know commercial breaks, and so there's music playing, and so you kind yeah. of feel pressured to end in a certain way. So it's a little bit different than sort of the long form podcasting but other than that it's it's um it is all improv as as far as what's happening in that moment we have plans you know for what we're going to do that day and i'm sure you do a lot of thinking about like the sort of structure of how it's going to go but otherwise we just just kind of keep going i always feel like um we do create a structure just in case you know we just can't improvise in the moment and it's probably better to have something you can fall back on. But I think the best shows are when we have a structure, but in reality, we didn't really adhere to it all that <laughs> much because, you know, we, we did get caught up in the moment and we did get going. And, uh, and so it's weird. It's like, I think about how to, sometimes I think that I, I waste a lot of my time with the way I still kind of prep the show. Like when we first got there, you know, understanding that it's WSB and, you know, it's kind of a news and information station and we need to be talking about the things that everybody else is talking about. And, and although on really, we kind of quite often don't do that. I still, you know, if you look at the structure of the show, it's still broken into different segments with different um, news stories. And they're still kind of like pushed. The structure is still around what stories in the news that we should, um, that we should fall back on if we have to. And sometimes we do, but um, I've been trying to figure out a way to, you know, kind of prep the show more like what it is, but I'm still too afraid. I'm still too afraid to really go in there with nothing and make it up as we go along without any, although I think that that would be like the, that would be like when we really, really have the show where we want it to be, where, yeah. you know, you're really, it's pretty much a tight wire walk now, but um <laughs> It's I don't a tight know, though, I feel- walk where I know like we can, you know, if I fall, I'm not going to break my back. <laughs> I think that it's not crazy, you know, to jump out of an airplane. And even though, you know, you've made it plenty of times to the ground safely, it's good to make sure that that extra parachute is there. Yeah. You know, yeah, that backup good. parachute. Yeah. You just It's like we have um, we don't have training wheels that are on the ground, but we do have training wheels ready. Uh, if any time that are raised the tricycle up. gets wobbly or not those ones that like the kids, the kids learn to ride the bike, but he's still nervous. So like yeah. we put the, we keep the tra- the, uh, the training wheels on, but they're not touching the ground. So like right. if he yeah, really does start to better. tip over. Yeah. It makes him feel better. Although I realized I just said tricycle and that was stupid because you, that's really has, you don't that's need three wheels. wheels on the ground. I know I'm an idiot. I'll, I'm not editing that out. No, go ahead. It's fine. Make me feel like I'm, you know, completely humiliate me. That's that's what okay. I'm here for. I'm gonna put real. I'm gonna I'm gonna find all the times you said um, and I'm gonna add like twenty five yeah. more. <laughs> <laughs> that really. That's why I don't listen to the show. That's why I don't listen back to the show very often because I I will get hung up on things like that, and then yeah, and then people don't care. You get hung up on something that people are until you point it out to them. They're probably not even noticing, but yeah, it jumps out to me like crazy. Man, when I listen back to stuff, because in the moment, I right after any show ends, I never really remember what we talked about. So when I go back and listen to myself, 
I always start thinking of the thing I should say next, like, oh, that reminds me of that. And then I say it and it's almost like <laughs> the past, the past me knows what the future me is going to say or think. Yeah, well, that's a good thing. It means you're actually, it's uh, it's the real you then. If you might say, it's almost like a, uh, an experiment where you can replicate it. Like, I'll put yeah. myself back in this situation and that's exactly what I should have said. So I did you're, it. Doing, you're doing better than me. When I listen to it, I'm like, oh, how do people listen to me? Oh, I'm so I'm I've always been the opposite. Like, I remember when, you know, the first time you hear yourself recorded, um, I I would I would be with someone else and they would hear themselves and be like, oh, I hate my voice. Oh, I hate the way I sound. And I remember thinking, oh, I like the way that I sound, but I must I must I'm supposed to not like it. So I was like, oh, yeah, me too. I hate my voice. It's like, no, I love it. I, I don't mind listening back to myself at all. I was surprised when I first started listening back to myself because I didn't realize how much I sound like my family, my brothers, especially. It never occurred to me because when you're around your brothers all the time, you you know that you're different. I mean, I don't sound just like them, but there is this 75% yeah. Of it, that is that is my family. I didn't I didn't recognize that, and I've never thought that we were um, an especially uh, uh, I don't know, just a sort of a pleasurable kind of sounding family. So it was a little <laughs> bit. I always thought that we we're you know we speak too fast and all that kind of stuff. So I've spent a lot of time trying to more than anything slow down. Yeah, my speaking because my family. We just like, but I hear it in my, uh, in my youngest son. It's like, it's just, okay, slow it down a little bit. Right. And, and maybe, uh, there's, there's not a lot of separation between words. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, you know, wanting to so in love with getting the idea out, you forget to actually uh-huh. communicate it. <laughs> well, you're talking about Jared. Mm. Jared's a different thing. He comes out of a, a different thing because when he was younger, I think he had a stutter and he's overcome that, which is awesome. Um, but I think sometimes he he wants to he just wants to get it out, you know, and I think that's mm-hmm. something that, you know, I don't I think he does a great job with that. But if there's if he ends up talking too fast, I think it's because he's going back to that a little bit. And I talk to him all the time. And, and he knows it. And like, we all, we can, it's almost like being an athlete. You can identify certain things that you need to do, but just saying it and then putting into practice are two different things. And usually what happens is if you know it and you put it into practice, most of the times you get it right, but then sometimes you won't. And I do the same thing where I start speaking too fast. But I talk to him about that a lot, which is, I think, in his mind, it's, you know, I it's important to get all this information out, and I don't want to take too much time. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it's not that much time. If you take your time <laughs> and speak, it's not. Well, that and there's time. no point if you if you can't communicate the thing. Right. Right. Yeah. Then it's like, yeah, you took up less time, but now we don't know what's happening. (laughs) Well, it's like when we talk about, uh, you know, on the podcast 30, we have so many people that quite often we can step on each other because everybody wants to get involved and we are improvising. So you get an idea and you want to go. And uh, it's in reality, if you just, I think of it as sound waves and just the knowledge that when 
when two peaks hit each other, they cancel each other out. And so even though if somebody else is talking and, and no matter which one of us wants to get our thing out there because it's so funny or timely or whatever, in the back of my mind, I think, well, it's just going to be canceled out because everybody's talking at the same time. And that keeps me from doing it all the time. But going back to what we were just talking about, it doesn't keep me from doing it every single time. You know, most of the time it keeps me from doing it, but not every single time. I've and, got, yeah. You know, see, I've gotten better at, you know, stepping back, you know, when I, especially because I'm not there physically, that yeah. it's difficult for me to come in like that, especially during the podcast 30. But the thing for me that <clears throat> I always get up in my head about is when I'm, when you guys give me the space on the radio show to like, express myself or say something that takes a little bit of time sometimes I get in my head and I'm like "Uh oh they're giving you this this is it you're got to make your point really well because and I'm like ah and then I start to like lose my train of thought and I can't yeah. and then I'm like you know you know what I mean like yeah. and, then I, <laughs> well, I and that's the time that's like the scalding yourself in the shower afterward moment yeah. you know you're like oh man I'm well it's the whole that's the whole performance thing you know right. where like uh, yeah, it's like you're on stage and you start thinking yeah. like, oh my god, I'm performing on a stage, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's then you're like, neurosis. what's my line? You know, it's just like a, a low level neurosis. Neurosis is thinking about thinking, and right, so yeah. when you're thinking about performing, then it starts to become this weird feedback loop on that mm -hmm. end that kind of begins to distract you, and then it it sort of says, well, everything could go right, but it could be that you. I don't know. Maybe you forget what the hell you're talking about. It takes over. It starts, starts to get in your head like maybe I forget what my point is. And then before you know it, sometimes you actually forget what your point is. Yeah, you it's that it's that loop. Like you it. said, the feedback loop audio wise, like when you have a yeah. when people are on Zoom calls and like someone's not muted and like it's feeding back into their microphone. It goes like yeah. Yeah, 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 and like nothing can happen. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's uh, I'm always I've always been fascinated and it's not, it's not just a performing thing. It's a human thing, but we do the performing thing all the time. So in that sense, I'm always, even back when I was doing stand up and stuff in the late eighties and, and early nineties, when you're standing on stage, I was always fascinated by that other conversation that's going on in your head while you're doing what you're doing. You know, like when you're on stage and you're, you know, you're completely naked and alone up there when you're a stand-up comedian, you can't hide behind a drum solo or something <laughs> like you just, it's just you and the audience and while you're doing your thing, even if it's going well, there's this other thing, this running commentary that's going on in your mind. Like, ah, oh, well, most of the audience is digging this, but that lady in the third row, I don't know, does she have a bad day or does she just think I sucked? And like this whole con, this thing is going on in your head while you're delivering, right. you know, the comedy or whatever. Or even like now, a lot of times I have to stand up in front of people and just speak whether they're whether they're people who love our show and we're doing a a meet and greet type of thing or whether I'm speaking to advertisers or something, that same thing is always there. That secondary kind of monologue in your head. I'm always fascinated with that. And I think that when, when it fucks with you, when you're performing is when you let it kind of take over. Like it well, that's its own muscle. I'm sure, What's you know, that? to be, that's its own muscle, you know, that mm -hmm. you can sort of work in those times where you can, still continue to perform and do the 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 thing that you're trying to say or do or express or show and then at the same time have that other sort of mind going where it's like what's that lady thinking why is she not yeah. laughing yeah. yeah and that other mind is always in, in some way it's a little bit um 
devilish. Like it's always saying, well, mm-hmm. you know, things may go sideways here. You know, even if don't fuck up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even if even if they're going well, you know, the very first <laughs> time, I don't know if I ever told you this, but the very first time I ever spoke in front of people was in um fourth grade. And I think it was fourth grade, fourth or fifth grade. And it was, I don't know why I was in 4-H or something. Oh. And I always wanted to kind of like be a performer or whatever, but I had no idea what that meant. And there was an opportunity to give a speech. And I can't remember. And so I just, I raised my hand and to give a speech. We were just in the gymnasium, right? And so the kids in 4-H were up on those weird gymnasium stair things, mm-hmm. step things, you know? And I started to give that speech. I can't remember what it was. And it was going well. And in the middle of it, I totally froze up and I, um, I got stage fright and literally I said, uh, I, I can't do this. And I walked, I walked oh, away, no. I walked away, but everybody else sucked so much that they came to me and said, you know, when you were doing it, you were doing it pretty good. So why don't you be the person from this 4-H thing who joins this speech thing? So I ended up writing a speech and giving a speech and going to whatever level, in front of a bunch of parents and doing it. And, you know, I did okay. And I got a participation, uh, not trophy ribbon. And, uh, and, but in my mind, I really got off on when it was going well and people were listening yeah. to me, but that other thing has always been there. Like you <laughs> never know, you yep. never know when that's going to happen. And, and the way that I get over it, cause it's always there is now anyway, or in the last 20 years or something is, there's this other voice in my head that just says, this is your job. And you know that you don't want to have to do any other job. And that just like goes, okay. I'm gonna get <laughs> so you better out. be good at it. Or better, else. You, I, yeah, it really is. It's a little bit lately, even now that I'm, you know, almost 58, finally, uh, I've, I've relaxed a little bit on it, but I would say that throughout, especially the early regular guys years, LA and coming here, and uh, I was kind of like a comedy sniper, second voice in, just like wait for my moments and hit it. There was so much of that that was out of, I mean, it worked. And uh, I was proud of it a lot of the times. But back then, it was just completely out of fear. Like, I've got to hit home runs or else they're going to make me go do a real job. Right. <laughs> just Now I've finally kind of, after all these years, sort of relaxed about it and thought, okay, this is your job, but you know, you've, you've done it long enough. You, you'll be all right. That's interesting. So like you're motivated by fear. I was through most of what we, yeah, most of it. I, I don't think I, I don't think I am now. I'm more truly aspirational. So there's still like, ah, I hope, I hope I don't fail at some of these things that I'm trying to do with the show or where I want to go with the show, but it's not really, Well, you've had plenty of success. So I don't think so. There's less fear of failing because it's like, well, I continue to do well. Right. But maybe back then it was like you haven't had as much experience to uh, success. Yeah, you're right. There was a lot more actual failure behind me back then. So right. <laughs> the likelihood of actually failing. You know, right. now I, I just, failed so much. Like this can't be the one that I don't fail at. Now it's more like, B, I just hope we can do the things that, you know, because, you know, I I feel like I've got like maybe 10 good years left in me or, or, or like I know at the end of my life, if I live long enough, I want, I do want to have some retirement in there and some kind of hangout years and and all that. So I'm thinking, you know, yeah, do I really, am I going to wake up 
like in the middle of my 69th year and still be excited. Hey, let's go do an improvised show. <laughs> Maybe I will. I don't know. Maybe I will. But so now it's more like, you know, I got some things that I want to do and I really want to get them done inside of this, you know, weird douchey career that I've had. And so more, it's not really a fear of failing at that, but it's more like, um, geez, I really hope I can pull that off. <laughs> It'd be fun. It would be fun to be able to retire and, and kind of know that, okay, I did what I wanted to do. And, you know, I'd like, I'd like everybody else. I'd like to live forever, but that doesn't <laughs> seem to be on the table. It's a possibility. So, you know, I'll just, uh, you know, go learn how to play the piano or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to, you know, you don't have to, you know, reveal anything you can't reveal or don't feel comfortable mm -hmm. talking about, but um, you talked a lot on the radio show about your contract negotiations. Mm -hmm. And I know that there were some things in there that maybe were promised to you that weren't reflected in the contract. And that's why signing the contract took so long. And then you were sort of talking about it on air and kind of shitting on everybody. <laughs> and uh, what, what, what do you, what can you share with the people that want to know what well, was I mean, missing from that contract? Well, I don't know what people want to know. I could, I could share that. Um, it was, it was probably more difficult than, than I wanted it to be. And it was certainly more difficult than they wanted it to be. Um, it wasn't really, I mean, I'll be honest with you. It, it was, um, it was, it was in the end, it was about money, you know, and these things okay. come down to money on the other stuff. Um, they, they have been very, very, um, on board with some of my ideas and what I want to do over the next few years. Now, whether or not, as we go and we try to do it together, then we're all going to find out if we can do it together, right? So it hasn't been as far as um, appreciating the show and and appreciating my ideas for what I want to do with the show beyond radio and and all of that. That's never really been a problem. Yeah, there's always now, been support. Oh yeah, there's always been support. And but then at the at the end of the day, I you know you hate that things come down to things like money, but they do, and and. So I, the real problem, and by the way, now I've signed and I feel good and I feel whole and I feel heard and, and all of that. And overall, it was really what, like five months or something of intense, mm -hmm. you know, stuff going on, which really, you know, we've been there seven years. So, I mean, it's not that, it's not that significant, but there were times in there when I thought, you know, maybe this isn't going to work out and, mm -hmm. and, you know, maybe I'm going to have to. I'd never in a million years thought that I would, you know, go to another place or, or anything, but I, you know, I did have to start thinking like that. And, you know, I did bring in some people and surround myself with some voices that could be somewhat objective. And, and that was the reason that I was willing to push it a little more as I had some people around me who were telling me that I, I need, or suggesting to me, they weren't telling me, but they were suggesting to me that I needed to do that. And, and some of that isn't just about me and the money that I get. It was, it, you know, it's they, their whole thing with me is how committed are you if we're going to go into this whole video thing and try to do. And, and what people put in my ear was, well, they have to show how committed they are too. Right. And, yeah. And, and you know, that gets all very, that can get very awkward because I like the people that I work with and I, um, I don't, I'm not a, 
I'm not a confrontational person. It's, it doesn't come natural to me. That may seem weird because I'm on the radio and I get sort <laughs> of like, uh, it's almost the same thing as liquid courage when you have a microphone in front of yeah. you. So you can be <laughs> a little more um, strong-willed than you are in real life. But I'm not, I'm, I want things to work out. I like to get along with the people I work with. I, you know, so it was, you know, it was kind of um, mentally rough for me to get through that, but ultimately it would be easier for, if you disliked the people that yeah, were above yeah, you. Yes, it would. And, um, and so, and, and some of the people that I work with at this level, I don't even really hardly know. Right. Right. Like, I don't know them the way I know you guys, or even the pe- people in management that are closest to me that I see on a daily basis. So, but I just have this over, I, I like the idea of being uh, a good employee to a certain degree, somebody who you like having there. And when you go through these kind of things, it gets, it gets tense. And you mm-hmm. know, there, there were moments where it was tense and some, some words were exchanged and things like that. And, and then you show up every day and keep doing the show because right. you know, I, I realized that, that ultimately you realize when you're going through something like that, the show is the only real leverage that you have. So it almost made me kind of double down on the show in that period. I wasn't going to let the show, uh, you know, I, I wanted the show to get better in that period. I don't know if it did, but that's going into it. I was like, well, the show has to be, be strong. Right. The show has to stay strong despite yeah. how you might be feeling or whatever. Right. Well, you know, that's part of, that's one part of performance that I, I really, really, really dig always have. I mean, you were there. I mean, going to the regular guys and the stuff going on behind the scenes and how, you know, <laughs> how tense that could be at times. But uh, both Larry and myself were very good at when the microphones came back on, picking up where we left off. Right. And, Compartmentalizing whatever yeah. might be happening and when I the was, mics are off. I mean, people have no idea how many times actual screaming and hollering was going on and then the commercial break is done and it's like go right back to what you're doing it was scary well for you from your (laughs) point of view i imagine it was because you were like the parents are yelling at each other yeah what are we gonna do well like two (laughs) men are fighting right now (laughs) but i always like i was always proud of that about Mm -hmm. i don't know why i was always proud that um because i have a thing about about show business that I, and that seems like a stupid term, but it's the one that I grew up with. And I, I, I always wanted to be part of that, you know, and you realize that, you know, if you go see a famous play and these actors have done this for three straight years, they're not all, you know, they're they're not all getting along all the time. They're human beings. There's 20 people in this cast. There are people who are not getting along and I always like the idea that, yeah, but the, now it's showtime, you know, right. now we Fan- put on the play. Christine has to kiss whatever phantom, mm-hmm. you know, even if right. she's annoyed by him backstage and she has to make the audience believe, right. You know, everything. And, uh, so I always, I, I always, um, I've always considered that to be one of the things that I'm proud of, especially through, through all of that, which is, you know, the age that I'm at now, I'm really, you know, you go over all these things. You know, I was so, uh, that was such, I was thinking about this this morning. That was such a large part of my life. And it was so. The regular guys days. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was, it was, it was really so successful in, in, in a way. And it, it was the first time I ever made 
you know, grown up money and, and it <laughs> opened up so many opportunities for me. I wouldn't be doing this, you know, if it, if it weren't for that. Um, and I was just thinking this morning, I don't know, these thoughts come to me like, God, I wish that was more fun. You know, it was such a large part of, yeah. of my life. And I, I think about my kids who are, who are all grown up now. One's 37, one's 24. And I feel like if, if I had a show where if I went to work then the way that I go to work now, um, I think I would have been more pleasant to be around. <laughs> you know, I mean, I never, I wasn't somebody who smacked my kids around or anything, but I just mean an attitude. Like I just wasn't very, I wasn't very, um, I wasn't, I wasn't enjoying myself. Right. Hardly at all. And outwardly, all these great things were happening. The show was popular. I was making more money than anybody who knew me at 17 ever. People would have heart attacks that knew me at 17, <laughs> knowing that I was in this kind of bubble of success. So in so many objective ways, things had just gone better than anybody would have predicted. But um, doing that show was not fun for me so much of the time, most of the time. Well, and especially I, you're starting your day with yeah. that sort of fear of Larry just being a dickhead over <laughs> whatever, you know? And so, yeah. and, and it's hard to start your day with that. Well, I would drive to work and I, I don't want to like, I, I part of like trying to put all that stuff in its place and figure it all out now from, from hindsight, it's not too, and I don't think you were trying to do that, but it's not trying to over, like, I really think I could have done better. Like I could have, sure. I could have been more sensible, understood it. Takes um, two to tango, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then, oh, toward the end, I, um, I just pulled back right? because I still wanted to make the money, but <laughs> I didn't want to deal with everything that came with that, you know? And you know, I'm sure that he reassesses things now too. And in, in some way I can't get inside of, of his head, but um, you know, I try to think, although what you just said is true. I mean, I would, I would drive to work uh, and my stomach would be in a knot, mm -hmm. you know, at five o'clock in the morning. And I, I knew when I was doing that, I was like, this is not, <laughs> this is not good, you know, no. but then, I didn't know what, how else was I going to make this money? You know, how else, yeah. was I gonna, you know, how was I going to, how was I going to, I just sort of felt like, again, we were talking about earlier, I don't know if it was in the prelude or, or during this, but just realizing, well, yeah, but it's not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not on top of a roof on an 80 degree day and doing that for, so that's how, what I would say to myself, everybody right. kind of hates their job or doesn't like the people they work with. That, so, that sort of logic only works when you're not having physical manifestations of, you know, yeah. hating yeah. something. You know? I was always, yeah, I was, you know, I, so yeah, just to go back to that, I, I, there, you can't change the past and you just have to come and right. just to deal, just sort of accept it the way that it was, try to learn some lessons from it. But I do think that I could have been, <laughs> I do think I would have been a more pleasant husband and father mm -hmm. if I was going to work with the same kind of feelings I do now, which isn't, it's not as if there are never problems. We just talked about the five months with the contract, right. but I didn't, even in the midst of all of that, I wasn't, I wasn't dreading going to work and a lot of well, times because the work itself it. yeah the work itself the wasn't 
yeah, the, the show is kind of an escape. Um, right. Really. Um, and now that I think about it, the show is kind of that thing that I, I really look forward to, you know, escaping, you know, all the things that you have in, you know, as humans that we deal with mm-hmm. and, uh, and, you know, and, you know, how shitty the news gets at times. So I just think, well, hey, I can go in with the, with my friends and yeah. we'll do the show and it'll probably be pretty good or maybe it'll be great. And it gives me something to look, it really is a, it's a, I don't know what I would do if I was this age and I was doing a job that I didn't like. I, I, it would be very, very, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what I would do because like everyone else, I have days where I'm gloomy or I have, I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't say clinical, but I have days where I'm down or right, whatever. Like and anyone. I, I, and I, and yeah, and I can always go, yeah, but there's a show on Monday or there's a show tomorrow and I can, we can go in and, uh, you know, try to do the best one ever. And maybe it won't be, but we'll. And sometimes we'll, doing we'll that, like, you, you know, if you are feeling down in some way, you're not sitting alone at a desk able to ruminate on the, on whatever you might be feeling or thinking, because when you're performing and the mics are on, you got to talk, you got to yeah. go. You know, somebody else says something, you get to react to it. Something happens, you talk about it. And so you don't have, you don't have the the sort of solitude or silence to yeah. even feel whatever you might actually be feeling, you know, and, so like and, sometimes and the, if, if we're fighting, you know, like if, yeah. if you've said something that's pissed me off or if I've done something to you, it's like during the commercial break is when you feel it the most. And then you mm-hmm. get back on air and it's like, well, got to keep going. <laughs> you know, yeah, the that's, the beauty. that's the beauty of it. Right. And then, yeah. and, uh, you know, and then sometimes, you know, something will present itself enough that we have to text each other or talk sure. to each other on the phone or, or whatever. But most of the things don't, don't do that. But um, most of the things are in the moment, kind of. And then mm-hmm. we, I think, not just you and me, but everybody, you know, steps back one foot and, oh, no, I know that person. And, okay, this is a thing. Yeah. But then there are other things that are, you know, more, that present themselves as, as, um kind of running i'd call them running grievances <laughs> the, the running grievance that goes on for a few shows or a few days so yeah. okay this has to be addressed and sure and worked out and um you know I, I i feel like i probably don't do that enough but what you just said is really the way that i think about it is like as much as possible let's try to work this out on the show because if we're if we're um if we really want to have this organic improvised thing, it's, it's always fine. Okay. There's certain areas that you're not going to reveal to the audience. We all have those things. Mm -hmm. There are certain areas that are beyond and it's always the thing about exploring, but, but maybe there's something I thought isn't that really, you know, is, you know, like exploring like where that line is, like how much of yourself to actually reveal because the more that you do, not you, but all of us, the more that, mm-hmm. the more that we do that I'm convinced the more uh, sticky the show becomes to people because well, there's, yeah, there's it, a connection there. But then there's other things where I'm not going to, you know, we all have things that were doors that are locked where no, we're <laughs> not going in there. It's just figuring out exactly. Sometimes like we might think a door is locked, but it's actually like we're, well, no, there's no reason for that door to be locked, but right. some doors should be locked. I think I I, I like that too. I like having, you know, my true personality or things that I actually think or or feel, you know, talked about. But what ends up happening sometimes is that that becomes almost like a caricature. And so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we talked about me drinking 
And then I was I was talked about as being like like a drunk, yeah. you know, <laughs> which I kind of, I thought was funny. But then when it kept going, that's when I texted you and I was like, let's not keep talking yeah. about me drinking because yeah. it really felt like, oh, I'm this mom who hates my kids and is drunk. <laughs> Well, yeah, well, I mean, that's, but you know what, what you're talking about right there, because I think that when you texted me that, I think it was like, okay, like, it was obvious to me, this really bothers her, right? And like, what we're talking about right now is exactly what didn't exist with the regular guy. Right, yeah. It was like, like, oh, that bothers you? I'm going to dig in even more. We're going to keep on going because, and there's the, yeah, you can get maybe one good show out of that. Maybe you get two good shows out of that. But after a while, you just kind of keep banging on that nerve so much that it just goes dead. And, right. you know, you and then my response was just pulling back and not well, going and to meetings. <laughs> in your position, it wasn't reciprocal. Like it wasn't like, oh, something bothers him and you get to just pick that to death either. Yeah, it that's was a good point. Yeah. You yeah. everybody else was available to be slaughtered except for, him, <laughs> you know. Well, I think that the, with, with with that whole thing, I think that, and I don't know how he feels about it, but that show would have been better if 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 everybody had that, right? You know, if if there was a more of a caring about the actual emotions <laughs> of the other people involved, right? And because we uh, shit on Jared, he is a little yeah. bit of our whipping boy, but. If he was actually hurt by something I said or did, I would feel horrible about it. Well, excellent. And really, in a way, we kind of do what I, when I would speak up with the regular guys, is basically say, you know, we there's the show is great if you bust each other's balls, but it's not great if you behead one another. You know? <laughs> like if you like it's, and, and I think that you know it's. <laughs> It's understanding that line, right? right? I mean, it's like it's it's great to, and when you're busting somebody's balls, you're picking on their weaknesses, right? Yeah. I mean, and that's really it's just knowing, you know, where where that is, or having some ability. I guess is it uh, is it empathy or whatever? I don't know. Just knowing that the other person is in distress, and then it's like, well, this isn't fun. If the right. other person is genuinely in distress. This isn't fun. I think with the regular guys for a long time, knowing the other person was in distress was like, okay, let's go. Right. We got something here, you know? I smell blood. Right. Yeah. And it might be that um, another partner for Larry would have agreed mm. and that that would have worked um, more if the other person was like, yeah, we're just going to tear the shit out of each other. And uh, and then after it's over, not give a shit. And then the next day, we're just going to go do it again. And that's the product. And that's what people like. We're giving people a product that other people aren't, which is always the, you know, kind of the most important thing, standing out. It was just, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't the thing for me. No, it was <laughs> nasty. Know, I was not the person for that. Yeah, it's nasty. I'm a little too sensitive, I think. I don't think you're too sensitive. I think that you have feelings. Yeah. <laughs> and you're, that's the thing. You are allowed to feel a certain way. And if the other person says, well, fuck how you feel, well, then they're the asshole. Well, it's yeah, not, it's but not I think you I mean, have to change to defend, you know, cause I don't want to shit on Larry, but no, and I don't defend, mean to be doing that. I'm just, yeah. I feel like I'm just no, I mean, you're telling plainly you're about, you know? Yeah, no, you should, you should. Yeah. But to defend his point of view is I just think for him, he thought that was the way to get the best product to get to the, the audience. At the expense of a human. <laughs> well, I think he found, you know, I think maybe even 
within that, I think he thought, well, sometimes you just have to replace people because not every, most people can't handle this for very long. Um, and, you know, a decision is made that, okay, well, maybe we'll have to replace people, but this is going to be what the product is. And, and I think that the problem with that was it wasn't for what the regular guys was. I, I think it wasn't, um, it wasn't what would make that product the best. I think that that mm-hmm. product was the best if it was more like what we're doing now, which is improvised, real, you know, basically going for the punchlines, busting each other's balls, um, but not this sort of relentless, excruciating, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that it, the audience felt it, felt it too. Yeah, I had a conversation with... Um, and maybe it was, I think ultimately, like you're getting an audience, but are they tuning into a a, 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 a car wreck? Like, <laughs> is it that kind of rubbernecker kind of thing? Like, what's going to happen here? Like, you can, in a weird way, if, if, a, if, a, if two cars on the side of the road in a big mangle up creates rubberneckers, in a weird way, we're finding it entertaining, right? Mm-hmm. We're slowing yeah. down, we're looking at it, but... Uh, in order to keep providing that entertainment, we got to keep killing people in cars. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, and I I think that maybe the idea on that one was we'll just keep uh, putting different people in those vehicles. And I had a conversation with, uh, out of all people, Ed Rowland from Collective Souls. And he zeroed in on that. Like those moments where it's obvious that, that the, the two hosts of this show are having a real, fucking angry moment you know and how mm-hmm. and, and 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 he was asking like how do you guys come in and keep on doing it or is it not real or is it and then and i realized that well that's probably a source of fascination with a lot of the people who are tuning in you know sure but i think that i think that we were very good in a lot of other ways that ended up not being emphasized because we were two very different people and when when two very different people who both can speak and both can be funny can attack like one topic like this one topic yeah. or uh, an issue, um, then we can. I, I, that's what I thought was the best about the regular guys. But yeah, you know, it wasn't all. <laughs> it wasn't all contention. I mean, it was right. there were. It was so. I don't even remember specific things, but I really it was that magic that yeah. would happen. Um, that I think we feel on our show, you know, yeah. but um, I, I'm sure that that's that's what kept you there also, because it wasn't just I hate uh, the product that I'm creating. Yeah. Right. You well, didn't. I, mean, I didn't. Well, sometimes I did. But uh, <laughs> uh, no, it's a heroin high that you chase when those. Right. Yeah. When you're Every once in a while you get that high yeah. again and you're like, this is it. I mean, it's one thing if something's scripted and you pull it off well. I guess there's a there's a feeling that you get, but it is an actual heroin high that you chase when you're improvising and you get into this thing where it's just fantastic and and you can't just push a button and recreate it. You have to put yourself into that position again. And and when those things, I always thought it's the same thing. I have the same philosophy with this show, which is. You know, the show is almost always good, usually great, and quite often out of this world. Like, to <laughs> me, that's that's what it is, where the floor is, it was a good show. Mm-hmm. And and more often than not, it's a great show. And then, and it has to happen with some sort of regularity that it just, 
at least portions of the show go into the stratosphere where the improv is just building on one another and it just gets, it's, you're just having a blast, you know, like you're just really like you're, you're with friends and you're just laughing to me. I don't know. I just, there's nothing better than that. Not even, I would take that if you told me, okay, here's the word you could have a world where uh, you could have great sex all the time, but you can't have those moments where you're laughing hysterically Mm -hmm. with friends or the other way around. I would pick the last, I would pick, (laughs) I would pick that. I would pick that because to me, it is better than anything is when it's real and it's genuine and you're making each other laugh. And then we're in a position when we look at the ratings of going, we're not just making each other laugh. We're like creating this thing that other people are getting into and they're, they're enjoying it. And people, I always think about this, that people are just like us, their lives, you know, lives are a, a lot of bullshit with a few cracks of light, you know, and I think a show like ours, I just want to be one of those cracks of light, you know, that you, I really do think about stuff like that. I think Mm -hmm. it's a genuine service to make people laugh or, you know, seem silly to say smile. That'd be weird if people were listening to the show, but they weren't laughing, but they were smiling. "Mm." I don't know. But I mean, (laughs) you know, this, I mean, look at the world around us. I think it's valuable. I, I don't, I don't have any kind of like, thing where oh i wish i did something important like save the whales i think that when you make a metropolis laugh and forget their problems for a while i think you are doing something maybe i overrate it but i certainly don't underrate it i think a lot of people think it's trivial and frivolous and i don't well even with this show we've gotten a lot of messages saying that the honesty that greg and i give to to what we're talking about and even if it's like embarrassing or you know, shameful or whatever, right. you know, it, it, people tell us that they didn't know that other people felt this way too, or had that same experience or, you know, something yeah. like that. And, and we don't, we don't sell this show, you know, like I have an Instagram page for the show that I have not updated in mm-hmm. maybe a year, <laughs> uh, you know, all these things. And we don't really, we don't do a lot of like putting things out there to be like, oh, this, this week on what, you know, yeah. it's just existing. And it feels it feels good to I don't know not have to shill to make something right. successful and then to even you know what is success you know this show doesn't make any money <laughs> um, we continue to do it because it it feels good to do it I yeah. like doing it it feels good Greg and I work well together and even when we don't we talk about it and then even the result of that feels good mm-hmm. and then um, people hear that and they say oh look it's two people who know how to listen to each other <laughs> you know and it feels good for them and I think it, and it helps people learn how to communicate or it, it certainly has helped me you know uh, realize that I can get angry um, at someone I love and it doesn't mean as much like for me for a long time getting angry um like I, I I had a real problem with being angry and now it feels like oh I can get angry and it's okay I'm not gone there I don't chase them away uh, I'm allowed to have other feelings besides just like pleasant you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well I think the reason yeah. people I think the reason that uh people like it in all these ways is they connect with it and every I think that every the arts, whether it's uh, uh, books, 
film, painting, music, lyrics. I think the stuff that really, or radio, which I do think is an art, uh, really, if you hit the human condition, then that's where people connect. Like what you're saying is they hear in your conversation, conversations that they've had or feelings that they've had that they didn't express or maybe expressed in the wrong way and felt crappy. Just all Mm -hmm. of this stuff that it means to be human are, if you look at it, uh, the, the books and paintings and music and songs and everything that, that last are, and are the ones that do connect with people in that way. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you think about something like rom-coms, right? Even the ones that are big, people are usually, it's there are some, but it's very rare that 15 years later, people are still on and on and on about it. Because not that rom-coms don't have the ability to hit the human condition, but they tend to be a little surfacy, like, yeah, level, glossy. like glossy and whatever, and it kind of goes away. Where and I would bet the ones that do stick around are are ones that do hit more the human condition. You know, it's like uh, when I say the human condition, I, I really mean that that the things that about being human that are the same now as they were if you lived in the year six hundred and fifty. You mm-hmm. know, like you're in a relationship and these are the problems and uh, friends are dying and um, you, uh, you're, you're with one person, but you're in love with another person. And just all these things that human beings have been going through since the beginning of civilizations anyway, of, you know, where people weren't, you know, grunting at each other. When we actually had, you know, like sort of domesticity going on. Um, those are the things that, uh, you know, it really resonates, you know, and when, 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 you know, why do we listen to the same song over and over again all of our lives? I mean, at one level, you could say, well, that's stupid. Well, you don't, why would you keep listening to the same song? But it it's hitting something, you know, usually. And even if there's something that it's hitting is that it's just goofy and I, I need to escape. Well, that's mm-hmm. human too. That's, you know, and so that's what and I that's, think. That's what our, that's what the Von Hessler doctrine does. Don't you think where, you know, you're not on there like so many other radio hosts can be where it's like, here's here it is and this is it right like this this is the opinion that this is the only opinion that matters this is the only way to think and if you don't think this way then you're wrong and i mean you do say that sometimes like that you're right Uh, and the audience is wrong (laughs) but But you know i don't mean it (laughs) (laughs) and then also within that we don't we we can talk about it is just like like you said, the human experience. We are going to talk about things that are serious because some things in life are serious. And then we're also going to talk about, you know, edging or something, yeah. you know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, you watched a movie earlier in the day and you were sad and you were crying. And then the next thing you know, you're having sex with your wife or something, right. you know, so. Right. Or it, you're having an argument, like a throw down argument. And then right. like uh, 30 minutes later, you're having sex. I mean, that's the that's the the real world, you know? Right. And so our show, our show doesn't try to, you know, be the, like you said, like the glossy, you know, the, the the sort of superficial version of humanity. We are going to talk about all those things. I mean, I try, I get, I get a little bit frustrated sometimes uh, with, you know, radio in general and, and media right now. I know, I don't know how, I don't know how successful I am at it, but when, when we're when I'm doing prep and and I'm looking for what people are talking about and what the stories are, 
you know, I really do try to, to clear away the low hanging fruit. And, you know, there are so many, there are so many stories in the 24 hour news cycle that are, they're put there just so people will talk about it. I feel like, you know, Mm -hmm. they're just, they're meant to be fodder for talk radio shows. And, and whenever I feel like them, like, yeah, let's not go there. Um, Some things are overwhelming, like the war, you know, and you Mm -hmm. you can't just be a, feel like it. I'd love to ignore the war, but I wouldn't feel great about it. I, I would feel mostly good about it, but that's, that's again, that's the normal human walking around right now is Mm -hmm. like, I would love to not think about the hardships that people are having during this war, but I kind of have to think about them a little more. Because I'm always aware of the fact that war is always going on. And the, the, the horror of war every day that you and I have ever been alive has been happening to some people somewhere. It's just, there's certain times where your country is invested on one side or like in this situation where we're not, we don't have troops on the ground, but we, we we're invested and we're trying to help one side as much as we can and all that. So there's more of a spotlight on it. And I, I sometimes think about that, like, you know, other people who have been dealing with shit like this all their life, you know, if they could separate out, they'd probably look at us and go, fuck you. But <laughs> yeah. this one's so important. I've been fucking, you know, Oh, there's no, your country doesn't have uh, any whatever kind of interest, whether it's ideological or minerals or oil or, or whatever. So the war against me can go on, you know, and you don't fucking think about mm-hmm. it at all. And it's not in your media at all. But now all of a sudden this one, you know, these people and, and, and what's happened to them, while it is important, I would, I would, I would think from another point of view. So like, go, oh, well, fuck you. My family's been bombed for, uh, you know, the last fifteen years, right. and CNN doesn't give a shit, and Fox News doesn't give a shit, and you know. So I'm aware of that, but we do have an interest in this. This is a hard one for me to navigate, really, because you know I just signed this contract after all this, and we have all these plans, and and overall, my goal is to move the show into more of a, I mean, a comedy show doesn't sound right coming out of my mouth, but uh, more humorous, leaning more toward that, like looking at current events and having the first instinct being, uh, where are the jokes here? As opposed to the first instinct, what, how am I going to express mm-hmm. how I feel about this? Like, I, I really want to, you know, on laughing, they made jokes about Vietnam. You know, it's like, I, I, I want to, go more in that direction. Um, but then I think it's almost proof of concept that the show really is improvised. And if I feel a certain way, I mean, I, it's, it's a hard thing to navigate right now for me because I, I have such a different opinion than the prevailing opinion on what's going on right now. I'm still on the I'm still on the side at the, I want Ukrainians to have as much freedom as they can possibly get, but I'm just seeing I'm seeing this differently than most other people. And on my mind, I I have to be real. I want to get that across, but I I have to protect the shield. You know, I right. just signed a thing and I have to be careful because people, if you look at the way that conversations are done, you know, in the last 10 or 15 years, if you get off script, you know, you can be labeled something you're not. 
And then a big mob comes out around that, you know, and then next thing you know, you're being canceled. And, you know, I have a responsibility to you guys, the doctrinaires, to WSB, you know, to get this show to where I want it to be. So I have to walk that line. Like, I want to be honest that I'm seeing this differently than most people are. Um, but I have to be aware of the fact that um, perception is reality. And you don't want, if, if some sort of perception gets out there that like uh, Eric's apologizing for Putin or some kind yeah. of bullshit like that. I, you know, I've watched other people try to clarify the record. And it right. doesn't, if you don't have 11 million people behind you, like Joe Rogan, it's difficult. It's difficult to do. So it's a, it's a balancing act. I have to be honest. Um, but then I think like going into next week, I think that, um, you know, I walk in thinking, uh, okay, people who listen to the show know what I think. Now, you know, do I keep pounding that over and over again? Probably not the best thing for the show. I'm not going to change what I think and I'm not going to pull my punches, but I don't want it to become the war show. You know what I mean? Like I don't, I want it to still be mostly an escape for people, you know? And I, I feel like, okay, people know that's in my mind. I feel like, the show, okay, the show, the, point. the show has to address what's going on. Um, but it doesn't have to only be about that. And I don't right. think that you've ever, um, made an entire show about one thing. I think the first day of the war, like the, I think that, but that's fine. Think, that deserves right. gravitas. Yeah. It deserves its time. We need yeah. to get things um, off our chest. We need uh, other people want to hear what you have to say about it. So it's not, I don't think it, it, it's out of line to do that every once in a while, but for it to be all weak, you yeah. know, and, and sort of making the same points over and over then. Yeah. That's lazy. It's boring. People are done with it. That's fine. I have and, to remember that it's not my, it's, it's not in my conception of what the show is. It's not my job to enlighten people. It's my job to entertain them. And that's, you know, yeah, and I I feel like at least like the one the one show where it was basically the whole show was the first day that we were on the air after the invasion started, and I honestly didn't know that I was going to go there like that. So at, I could still go. Well, it was organic, uh -huh. you know, and it was real, and uh, and 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 like I really do think that a lot of people are are looking at this in in a way that is not necessarily the best way to look at it, but I've, but it's not, again, and I always in the back of my mind, it's not your job to enlighten people. And by the way, who the fuck are you to think you're enlightening <laughs> people, but you know, it's not, it's, that's not the job at hand. The job at hand is to have this radio show that is kind of in my mind, like a cool clubhouse that people want to keep going to and hanging out in. And, um, you know, you could have your days where you let people know what you think of the war, but they're not going to keep coming to the clubhouse if it's always no. going to be like, uh, you know, all right, that guy's going to keep telling me how uh, I'm falling for a bunch of bullshit. That's not fun. No. I thought it was somebody else's clubhouse. You know? <laughs> um, who's your favorite doctrinaire? Autumn Fisher. Yeah, always that's been. right. <laughs> always, always has been. You know, let's see. I'm trying to think. Uh, you remember when... Uh, when we went for pizza that day and I, I yep. asked you to uh, be on this podcast that we were starting in my basement. Yeah. I was and, super duper pregnant. Yeah. You were really, really pregnant. And, uh, 
And where where had you? Oh, okay, all right. I remember. I remember a difficult conversation at one of those pizza things. Uh huh. Um, yep. So uh, uh, so yeah, and, and it's weird now that that was seven or eight years ago or whatever. I it feel was. like a lot of my you know bad decisions on paper have actually ended up pretty great because <laughs> I uh, I quit going to my technical college that I was going to um, to start interning for the regular guys. You know, I was like two classes away from getting an associate's degree. Hey. Uh, <laughs> which now it seems trivial and stupid, but at the time, you know, it's like you're going to quit school and then you're going to, you know, go do something that takes a lot of time and effort and then not make money from it. What? Yeah. yeah. All right. I, I'm going to do that. And it has worked out for me. And then, oh, you're very pregnant and you have a steady job and a steady paycheck and, now you're going to go in someone's basement and do a pot. What? <laughs> yep. Sure am. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it seems, um, uh, that's basically what I was, what I would with you and Greg, I feel like I've been like, Hey, I've taken all these chances. Come on. Well, fortune Come favors, on. fortune favors the bold is what I like to think. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> I'm going to jump well, off this thing. I'm going to make yeah. it. Yeah. When it doesn't work out, people usually don't tell their stories <laughs> and others aren't interested. I'm sure. I guess it's kind of knowing, you know, it's kind of knowing, uh, you know, when it's time to sort of go, okay, it's not working out for me over here. I'm going to have to go into the real world and try to make it work out. I sometimes feel like if people ask about my story and I tell them, well, I dropped out of the ninth grade and I started started producing a radio show for free for three months just to prove I could do it. And I had a five-year-old at the time and, and I sometimes feel like um, that's a bad thing to let people know because it can't work out for everybody, right? right. And I don't want to, I don't want people Someone's to- going to show up on your doorstep being like, I followed your advice and now yeah, I'm homeless and I'm destitute. Yeah. So I guess you have to, I don't know. It's kind of a weird thing because there was a lot of reasons for me to have looked in the mirror and said, okay. I mean, I wasn't a very good stand-up comedian. Um, I got into a-, a a comedy group that was pretty good at the time and, and, and stuff. But I, I don't know. I, 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 even when I was doing stand up comedy in the late eighties, I was aware that I wasn't that great because I wasn't, I wasn't really excited about going on stage. I just kept going on stage because I knew that I was around. This was what I wanted to be doing in mm-hmm. some way, you know, like in some way I wanted to be part of this world i don't want to be i don't want to go to because everybody in my family worked at restaurants i mean we were not career career minded people Mm -hmm. nobody going to college in my family just wasn't a thing you know to go and become this and do that for a career so in my mind it was always like i'm doing this or i'm waiting on tables or bussing tables or cooking um, (laughs) you know whatever and then when i when I tell people that, then I feel like, well, am I shitting on them? Like, am I saying that's, that's something that uh, is below me or something? Like, yeah. I feel really, you know, I feel really bad about it, but I just tell you like my story. Yeah, I that's don't, fine. People you know, are, I, people... I, I was going to say, I don't, I don't think that I've said this before. I've never had a truly suicidal thought in my life. My brain does not work that way, but I don't know, Autumn, if I would have, <laughs> if I had to get to my age now and I was still, I don't know. I, I just don't know. I don't think I could have found 
happiness in any kind of I'm going into my office, I'm sitting at my cubicle, dead. I'm doing my thing. Dead inside. I just, I'm dead I, inside. I, I may as well be dead on the outside. I would have let everybody down. That's the worst part. You know, I would have let my wife down. I would have let my kids down. I would have, I would not have been able to actually do it, which means, you know, maybe, you know, uh, like my dad, one day they would have woke up and I just would have said, you know what, yeah. I'm just going to move to another place where um, I can just live the way that I want to live. And maybe this will let them down in the moment. But like, I'm thinking, they're going to be better off. If I, if I do this early enough, Jane will meet somebody else. They will have a real life together. Well, you may as and, well have committed suicide at that point. Yeah. In a weird way. It, was, yeah. it would be some kind of, but I'd be too like, but you'd be, like, you would be dead and not alive yeah. still. Yeah, exactly. Like I don't have, I don't think I have that <laughs> final ability to, uh, you know, to, to end it all. But I, I really do think like something like that maybe would have happened because I would have been, I would have said, in order for me to live the way that I have to live, I'm I'm gonna let all these people down. In See, one way I've or had another. I have the I I don't have that feeling with the job that I have, but I did feel that way about my life. You know, mm -hmm. where I was like, ooh, looking around, this is not the life that I wanted. I mm -hmm. thought that this is what I wanted, but it wasn't. And um, I think as far as people doing you know, going through life and doing kind of like what they're supposed to do, like high school, college job, maybe another job, try and stay at the job, only mm -hmm. make money, only focus on money, 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 or, you know, not cultivating any other part of their lives or just doing what everybody else does, where it's like you move to the suburbs and you just have a, you yeah. know, you make, you hope your neighbors are nice or you fight with your neighbors. And this is my life. I feel like some people forget that you, this is, you got one life, just one. This is it. Yeah. The yeah. moment that you're in right now is not happening again. You're not going to get to redo anything. This is it. So do things and take chances. They might not work out and that's okay. And you don't want to be reckless, you know, and be like, right. but, but let yourself, especially when you have the time when you're younger, let yourself take those chances so that you can find what your limit is or what you actually want, you know, and do the thing that might be a little scary or intimidating and you'll find out maybe it won't work out. Right. But then you'll have learned something from that thing not working out instead of just always doing the safe thing and never learning yeah. anything about yourself. Well, that's the, like, right now I'm having these conversations a lot with my 24 year old mm -hmm. because he's a lot like I was when I was, you know, he has, he has these um, really marketable skills right now. And, but he also has uh, an artistic side mm -hmm. and, and I remember going through that, except I didn't have the marketable skills. So <laughs> I remember I remember on Monday thinking, okay, I'm going to be an artist when I was in my early 20s. And and then by Wednesday, I'm like, no, I'm going to go, I'm going to make money. And and, right. uh, and then by Friday, I was back to, I want to be an artist. Like I, I, re I remember all of that, except unlike him, I didn't have marketable skills. I, I was, I didn't have the ability to go work for Microsoft or something and, you know, make a decent, uh, living right out, which probably would have been, you know, harder to avoid, you know, than, you know, and, and, and so, but it's hard to, it's funny. You think, you know, well, I, I can call, I can tell him I was 24 once, you know, don't be, who cares, you know, go, go do, you know, go try to do a bunch of things. Yeah. And maybe, maybe you'll look up at 32 and go, yeah, you know what? Microsoft is still there. They still hire people, you know, I, you know, I, or maybe it happens earlier than that, but I try to get that across to him 
just exactly what you just said. You're young is, enough to not make yeah. every right move. And also you're lucky enough to have a support structure, right? right. I mean, if I'm, if I'm going to tell you to go out there and take those chances, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to slam the door yeah. on you at 29 or something if they don't work out. So right. you are in a, in a, um, you know, I hate the word privilege, but um, you are in a, he is in a position where he does have, you know, this family that's never going to turn him away. So, mm-hmm. you know, why not, you know, why not? But then again, he's living his reality, which is, I have friends who have done that. They're doing yeah. well. I'm still hanging out in, in a roommate situation. You know, it's, it's um, you, you think when you get older, you can just give advice to young people, but you forget that they're going through all the shit you were going through. Well, you and know, it's the wisdom that you're, you're coming. Yeah. We, I guess, are coming from a place of wisdom and wisdom isn't knowledge. You know, right. so what, when, 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 it, when you're telling someone your wisdom, it just turns into knowledge. And they don't gain the wisdom; they have to do it right. themselves. And you're, you're, um, uh, you're, uh, nervous isn't the word. You're, um, you know, you're, you just want you want your you want things to happen when you're in your twenties. Yeah. You just want them to happen. You don't want to wait for them to happen. So I, I recognize this in him because he's got a little bit of me inside of him, and you know, it's just that thing of you could talk yourself into why this going in this direction is great. And the best thing for you, and then two days later, you can talk yourself into the other thing, and um, and and like I say, I I can relate to that, but I didn't have marketable skills, so it's probably easier for me. <laughs> yeah. to, uh, all I was giving up was being a waiter, right? <laughs> you know? so, and again, not to play that down, there's nothing wrong with being a waiter, but it's not, you know, it's not um, thinking about making six figures within a couple of years. Right. You know what I mean, it's not yeah. like that kind of thing. Um, so. So, so yeah, I mean, you do, I guess it's a weird thing. You have to, I think people should take chances, but then you have to be honest with yourself along the way. And, right. and sometimes, you know, it's like, I wasn't, I wasn't sticking around because I was lying to myself, telling myself I was a, a good stand up comedian. I wasn't, but you know, my philosophy about, um, this is like with radio now, but radio isn't now what it used to be, but back when I got into it, when I would be knocked out of a job or something, and I, maybe I felt this way about show business in general is, you know, I felt like if you're not, you know, everything's football analogies to me. So it's like, if you're not on the field, be on the sidelines. If you're not on the sidelines, be in the stands. If you can't be in the stands, be in the parking lot. If you can't be in the parking lot, be across the street from the parking lot. <laughs> Stay as close <laughs> to the game <laughs> as you possibly can. Yeah. And that's really kind of what I did until things started to, to fall into place and I can get, um, you know, I can talk about all the bad times with Larry, but let's face it. I mean, he did walk into a comedy club. I was on stage and he started talking to me and he invited me into a radio station in uh, December of 1988. And without that, none of this happens. I mean, maybe something else happens, but (laughs) you know, this doesn't happen. Hey, Eric, give me, um, some, someone is knocking at my door. Hold on one second. All right. right, right. Okay. Sorry. Okay. You know, I was thinking as you went away, what if I heard a shotgun go off? And I'm like, <laughs> I think about that all the time during the radio show. Like, what if, like, sometimes, like, I'll hear something and I'm not sure. And so I'll, I'll unmute my mic, like, during the commercials or something, just to make sure. Right. <laughs> if somebody hears me die, they'll, you guys, right, we'll exactly. be back on the air and then you'll hear me screaming. Yeah, they'll call the, we'll call the authorities. Yeah. Or we'll just be like, oh, she's such a card. Yeah. Why is Otter screaming? She's so annoying. Mute her mic. 
This isn't funny, Autumn. Let's go. Get back. <laughs> so unprofessional. Would, you know, uh, Ed McMahon do this on whatever? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I always bring that up. Yeah. Was, All right. Do you think I, we've covered everything? Is there anything else you want to say? I don't. Uh, do I have anything else to say? Well, I, I know you have, could say millions. I um uh I like you know we did a thing where um and I don't even know if I've if I'm sure they exist somewhere because all that stuff that we did during the podcast in the basement days we did a lot of shows a lot of different shows yeah and one of the ones was you started interviewing me about my life and I remember thinking wow those were actually kind of cool did we do one or two of them or. Uh, yeah. whatever like you were and i was like wow that was a way to kind of because i've always thought about you know at some point some sort of memoir not being the first book but like if people bought the first book then and then if the show became we never really talked about where the show's going to go so we should uh we, we talked about the past right mm -hmm. but maybe we do another one where we talk about where i think i want to take this thing maybe greg would host that one Oh, you're saying the three of us cannot be cannot be heard together on the uh, on the same one topic, or I, yeah, I don't share. You don't share. You're not <laughs> yeah. gonna, it's, gonna, it's either me with you one on one or uh -huh. uh, with him. No, I think it should be you, and then he can okay. join us. Um, uh, and because uh, I do have a lot of uh, a lot of plans, yeah, for the show, and I'm trying to take it in a certain direction. This fucking war ain't helping. But, I know we're trying to know? do something here. Yeah. <laughs> kind of, you know. I guess that's uh, I'd rather be in a position where that was the worst thing about the war is that it's fucking with my show. Yeah. That's better than actually being there, isn't it? Ugh, so, yeah. I hope it doesn't like get bigger and bigger. Well, you know, don't get me going. I think I it should be ended. I think it should be ended today. I think yeah. people should sit down and cut a deal. Nancy Pelosi said we shouldn't have it. She said that we shouldn't have a, we shouldn't be taking gas from Russia. Well, I know, but I mean, even then, you know, we don't know. Now we're getting into it. We, you know, Putin is one of these people who can think of things like that as an act of war. Yeah. You're trying mm -hmm. to. Well, I know. That's I what I was thinking too. Like you're poking the bear even more. I just, I just feel like, you know, we need to cut a deal and go into the deal thinking, let's try to preserve as much sovereignty for the most Ukrainians possible. But, uh, Let's not get into that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. People right. think what they want to think. So uh, I think we covered enough, and I've yeah. enjoyed this, and I'd love to do more. All right, cool. Uh, yeah. How how can we find you online? <laughs> you gotta be, I, I got a radio show <laughs> in Atlanta, Georgia. All right. Called the Bod Hessler Doctrine. I'm sure if you look it up on Google, you find out a bunch of lies about me or what. I've never looked. Nobody so, can spell um, Hessler, so it's no problem. Yeah, that's true. So what do I do with the Von Hessler Doctrine? I probably should have dropped the A. And just spelled it the way people would spell it normally. Yeah. But I think Google, like if you spelled it H-E-S-S-L-E-R, Google would probably do one of those things. Did you mean? Yeah, that's true. Because the Eric Vaughn probably. And you know what? As far as we know, I am the only person with this full name in the entire world. Wow. So I should be easy enough to, to look up. The Von Hessler Doctrine. You know, I do think that in the future, though, I, I am recognizing with my ideas for the show you know, how do I get on social media the right way? Is it possible to be on social media and just like tell jokes and, you know, and, and not get involved in all the, there bullshit? is because you can, um, you can disable comments now. Um, you can yeah. go in and if anybody bugs you, you just block them. Nothing. Right. Just I, don't want, but I want, I, I like the idea of disabling comments because I just, I don't feel like if I watch a TV show, <laughs> 
you know, if I like yeah. Seinfeld or something and there's one that I think isn't as good as the rest, I don't feel a need to go, hey, this one kind of sucked. Yeah, every really- once every once in a while I'll be on TikTok and I'll someone will be saying something, you know, and I think, oh, I wonder what's happening in the comments. And then I've see I see that they've disabled them and I think, good for you. Yeah, you know what? Like, even if I like, disagree with them, I'm like, you you know, you got to say what you got to say and that's fine. You don't need anybody have, else's comments. We should have a, uh, like, like the audience should know, look, man, come to some kind of event that we're doing. Like, if you want to talk to me about the show, I, I would rather do it like person, in person. Yeah, because you know, also like, people know. aren't as emboldened when they're right. facing someone in right. person. I mean, you might be inviting some someone to come punch you in the face, I suppose, yeah, if, they, I guess. if they wanted to be. But I just feel like the comment section, and then I don't care about people saying the show sucks or anything like that. Some people think the show sucks. That's fine. It's just that once you open that up, then you have to, it's about laziness. Like then you have to monitor it all the time. Yeah. Is somebody trolling? Is somebody saying the N word? Is somebody, you know, because then if I ignore it and then somebody goes there for the first time, you're you know, complicit. The brain, the brain is like, well, whatever, whatever the audience is saying must represent what the oh, show right, is, yeah. you know, and you have to, that's the thing to remember about all of this is it is true that perception is reality. And you're, you know, I see all of these people destroy themselves. I'm not going to do that. I will play the game to a certain degree. I know I recognize that, you know, what the perception of the show is, is important. Because, for instance, sometimes I wonder and I love being on WSB, but sometimes I wonder if if there's just a certain group of people that just have never listened to the show because they think of WSB as this thing, yes. you know, mm-hmm. as uh, it's going to be right wing and it's going to be all opinion all the time. I, I wonder if and I think WSB does a good job of promoting the show as what it is, but you still have to go through that whole thing. I just wonder how many people that would like the show just never think that a show like that would be on a station like that. So, you know, and you know, that's, that's something to work through. And and that's about the conversation we'll have in the future about how to take the show nationally yeah. and the things that, that we want to do. Um, but it just goes back to that point of view is I have to be aware of the fact that perception is reality. And you, if you don't like that, you have to work on changing the perception because you're not going to get everybody to be enlightened about the reality of all things at all time. We're in broadcasting, not narrow casting. Well, especially the the structure of the show where it is limited timing, you know, time wise, yeah. you only have yeah. so long to express something. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then people have all this time to like ruminate on it during ED yeah. ads. So yeah. <laughs> if it was a podcast situation, I think that there would be more of a a, a rounder, like a, a, a more yeah. s- complete idea of what you might be trying to get across. Well, you know, the ED ads are one thing, but you got to, now we're going to go into midterms in Georgia. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to be, we'll be doing our thing. And then, you know, we're going to have a lot of ads yep. that are, yep. um, I mean, Abrams is going to run ads on WSB because there's, it's just silly to run for office and not do that. But we're also going to have, um, and, and, you know, I can pick those apart for a million years too, <laughs> but mm-hmm. we're also going to have a lot of real kind of, um, you know, uh, Kemp is going to be trying to pull in the Trumpers and things like that. Right. And, you know, sometimes like we're doing like this sort of comedy, like there was an ad that I heard and I didn't realize it. Tim Andrews told me that it was a Kemp ad that was like, you know, uh, 
you know, Trump's great, Trump's great, Trump's great. And and I and then I went, oh, okay, I get the strategy here is he's got to get Purdue out of the way in the primary. Purdue is Trump's guy. Trump doesn't like Kemp. So it makes sense, right? It makes right. sense to remind people that vote, on, you know, hey, you can still get a lot with me. But in 2022, I just, I don't know how, I think that people perceive the product as one whole thing, you know? And well, I just don't know how long helpful enough. it is. I don't know how helpful it is to be, you know, banging this 2016 drum in mm. 2022. And that's, and you know that I feel like a lot of the stuff that's said about Trump is bullshit, but I also think that he shoots himself in the foot all Absolutely. the time. Too. So he doesn't a, do himself any favors. Yeah. It's a nuanced thing. Yeah. Um, but um, I don't think that people listen with nuance. So I, I do, I, I, I'm like, Oh no, we're going into a political position. And so like in between, like we could be having the show that we're having <laughs> yeah. and then like, don't, then we'll hear like, don't let Hillary yeah. come back and you know, say, like, oh, whatever. Fuck. I, don't, yeah. I think they're all a bunch of clowns <laughs> on the right and the left, but uh, all right. All right. I got a NASCAR race to watch. All right. That's important. fine. That's great. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm really glad that you came. Well, I hope that it wasn't uh, a letdown for people who tuned in and I want to do it again. Good. And uh, Autumn Fisher is uh, one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. I have, you know, some closer to me, you know, my immediate family. That, uh, <laughs> you know, they come, but I can't right, compete with that. I can't compete with immediate family. You're right outside of that first okay. concentric circle of <laughs> nuclear family. Actually, no, you're in the nuclear family. Yay! I would say that you and Greg are in the nuclear family. So, <laughs> and now I got to say Tim and Jared are also here. This, but you know, uh, they don't listen I've to my show. I've known all of you guys. Jared's the newcomer. But I've yeah. known all <laughs> well, so, th- I really appreciate it. Um, thank you everybody for listening. Please like, and subscribe, rate and review. And uh, if you would like to get some really great hot sauce that's made in Chattanooga, Tennessee, please check out our sponsor, hoffandpepper.com. You can get 15% off of some really delicious locally made in Chattanooga hot sauce. Use our code ONETOPIC15 for 15% off. And thank you, everybody. Okay, bye.